so much for coming on. You have no idea like how much you inspire me on Instagram with all of your workouts and being a fellow zebra. And I know that all of us with these conditions, we don't um, have the same levels or the same problems or the same issues. And you can't look at someone else and go, oh, she has my disorder. I can do all of that. But you really do give me a lot of hope, I have to say. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Like, I always tell people it's not about getting to where I am tomorrow. It's just about taking that first step. That's a really beautiful way of putting it, Crescenda. Crescenda, I'm so sorry. Did I pronounce it right? No, no, you did it right. You pronounced it correctly. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I am on <laughs> enough opioids to make, like, Kurt Cobain's ghost very jealous right now. So I'm going to, like, stumble my words, and I'm very sorry. <laughs> I will work as hard as I can. Because, um, like, I found you on Instagram through someone else's account, and you do weightlifting, right, for your Eller Stainless? Correct. I, I'm actually competing but... in Strongman in about two weeks. Oh my God, congratulations. <laughs> I'm so excited. You were recommended to me by, um, I think it was another person I'd interviewed, and she was like, you've got to check out this girl's like Instagram account. It's going to give you so much light from like the strength, the body positivity, all of this amazing like inspiration that you've been given. Like watching you do like the deadlifts and like the squats, I am in serious jealousy of like the Wonder Woman status. <laughs> <laughs> So please explain to a fellow zebra who um, is not in the same path as you, but how do you, how did you start this? Did you like, where are you with your progression? Just so we don't inspire a whole bunch of zebras who are like me, who are like dislocating when they point at something to go rushing to the gym. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I didn't get diagnosed until 2015. And in about 2009, when I was getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's, I decided to start working out a little bit. And it was always kind of an up and down workout where I'd be really excited about the gym. And then two weeks later, things would go bad. And I didn't, I never knew why. And I just kept doing that and kept building that foundational strength. A lot of it was just like elliptical and bike riding and simple stuff. And it wasn't until after um, kind of around 2015 was when I was riding my bike to work. And I ended up hitting a tree going bike riding with my boyfriend. And that's things started kind of falling into place. And that's when my primary care was like, hey, I think you have this thing. Are and you serious? You two together. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, was, that's the spoony, like, zebra dream. I mean, most of us are, like, chasing for, like, decades. Like, what could this be? And you had a, a GP say, hey, maybe it's this. What a great GP. Yeah. It, it was funny because initially we were, we were going through all kinds of different things that it could be. And initially everything was just blamed on, like, endometriosis and polycystic ovarian. And then I happened to be sitting – I always sit um, – kind of with one angle, one foot against the floor and standing on the other angle, basically. Mm-hmm. So angle's just not, not doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then I, I guess I had bent my fingers backwards on the table. And he's like, that's not, not normal. And <laughs> oh, so you have like the swan deformation. The... Correct. Yay! Correct. <laughs> they, were just, they were bent funny on the table. And he was like, oh, something's not right here. And we... <laughs> put two and two together and it was so quick how quickly the diagnosis happened from going to the geneticist and going to a pain specialist. I mean, it was kind of a whirlwind of just a slew of diagnoses coming through. But once I knew that it was kind of a little bit easier for me to actually get into the gym 
because I realized just why I was lifting things a certain way and why I would do things a certain way to keep things from dislocating, um, why I walk the way I walk to keep your hips in place. And I, explaining that to my boyfriend's a personal trainer and explaining that to him was really kind of interesting to say, you know, when I walk, I don't just throw my foot out there and walk. I have to actually sit there and flex every single muscle in order to make sure that nothing dislocates and nothing pops out. But then getting into the gym, you were able to kind of use that. We have this really great mind-body connection already from us just sitting there thinking about how, how do I, how am I going to put my foot down when I jump off of this curb? And turning that on into the gym and adding extra weight on top of that seems like a really easy progression. And it, it helped me build that foundational strength that allowed me in about five years to actually get into this, to the place I am now. I'm trying to put my jealousy aside right now because I'm turning a little <laughs> green with envy of like, first off, a partner who's a personal trainer. I am so jealous. It I cannot believe how much I spent so on much. <laughs> yes. I have, a, I'm going to give a call out for Joe at, um, oh goodness, he's over in Burlingame at a fitness facility. I'm blanking on which one, but I'll put it in the show notes if you live in the Burlingame area. But he retaught me how to walk once I got my diagnosis because I had been walking ballet style, one foot in front of the other, which is super pretty and makes the hips swishy. But it was like destroying my hips. And he was like, okay, we're going <laughs> to – took me forever. But he was the one who taught me how to walk proper. But there's you're right. There's so many funny, weird things. Like even if you didn't know you were dislocating that you're doing just to like – keep it safe even though you didn't realize that's what you were doing like you're right the body is so much smarter than our brains sometimes and, and I, I had no clue I was doing some of these things especially with like the way I flex my quads in order to keep my hips in I had no clue but then when I translated that into something simple like doing a leg press at the gym my leg press maxed out what uh, most of the guys I know could do at the gym how good did that feel it is such a great feeling. Let me live vicariously is, through you for a minute. It's such a fun feeling. To um, I used to, it used to be our joke of I lift my boyfriend's weight. Is we never have had to change weights when we go to the gym together. I just lift what he's lifting, and sometimes I'll continue lifting after he's already done. Now, granted, there's some things that he can definitely beat me on. There, there's quite a few, but for the most part, I can keep up and. A lot of things I'll end up surpassing him. Like he can't deadlift because he has a herniated disc. Mm. Yeah, that's one of the only things I can still do because I have mass dislocations of the femurs and the tibias and the ankles. So almost everything's out. From it. Certainly, I can't do leg presses or anything. But since it's just that movement from floor to knee, I can still do it with like almost no weights. But it's the only thing I can still kind of do for yeah. my whole life. It's the one thing that actually scares me because. Back in, in high school, um, our gym lockers used to have these little bitty benches that were only like six inches big, and I used to pretend to tightrope walk on them, balance beam style, and I actually fell and took one of the benches to my shins. So I have a permanent divot in my shin, although we could probably blame EDS for it not breaking because it probably just popped out and popped back in. EDS is such a mixed bag, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> But I have those divots in my shin, and of course, sometimes at night I'm sitting up going, you know, one of these times I'm going to be under so much load that that, that shin's going to finally break. 
And that's probably one of my biggest fears is you just never know what the, where the injury is going to come. It's so true. <laughs> the, um, like people talk about the, the medical PTSD and I'm like, it's so true. Totally understand. I almost have PTSD with walking, like just oh, yeah. the incredible fear I have that like each step is the last step I will take for the next three weeks because I have no idea if when I step down, if that's going to be a tibia dislocation. Um, this weekend I had a full foot dislocation. The whole ankle came off from the, the, the bone. Like it was just, I could fit like most of my fingers in. It was so awesomely gross like John Carpenter wishes he could like create special effects that disgusting but it's like you never know like what movement is going to put you in bed for weeks and it's so weirdly stressful and that's why it's so fascinating with your story and I don't know if you know about the I forgot her name she's in Colorado it's a woman who does um an Eller Stainless gym basically Mm -hmm. yeah she has her own gym and it's mostly for zebras and her theory is that uh, muscle gain is the only thing that's going to stop progression and um all the time is our muscles are our internal braces it it, because god knows the external braces are not (laughs) really doing it good enough um i want exoskeleton (laughs) i'm a I'm such a nerd. Um, I'm such a geek. I love like the whole idea of Black Panther suit that comes on. I'm like, can I have that with extra strength around the joints? Um, yeah. <laughs> that could be cool. Um, but you're you're right because it is our internal bracing, and there's there's so nothing on the horizon that is going to cure or even help this, except just to manage our discomfort to a very small degree. Yeah. So if you're like, that's what I always tell people is I'm older than all of you guys. And um, whenever I get <laughs> younger people on, you're like, I'm hypermobile or I'm all stainless and I'm 20s or 30s. I'm like, great. You're not in a wheelchair yet. Go lift weights now while you can, <laughs> like while you're able. It's really well, actually, hard to that's, do it that's once you're in this. What happened was I was, we were looking at the, the idea of a, uh, of a chair we were looking at a permanently using the forearm braces and uh, they, after I dislocated the knee, they had given me the full like leg brace and a walker. And I was like, you know, I, <laughs> Nothing sexier than a walker. I, I was like, I am thir- just, I think I was like 33 at the time. And I was like, no, I am not using a walker. We are going to figure out another way. And the, the easiest thing I could think of was just to strengthen the muscles around it. If my ligaments and tendons weren't going to stay in place, well, maybe the muscles will help hold it. I mean, the only thing I can think of is I'm, I usually get called like the <laughs> huge pride moment. Um, I usually get called the worst Eller stainless case that whatever doctor I'm seeing has ever seen. And it's like, yeah. great. I feel a <laughs> proud of that oddly and perversely enough, but weird. And it's like, God, what can we, what can we do here? And going into the wheelchair was the only thing I could do at this point, but it is that big, fight that I've had with all of my I'm sorry I'm like I, I keep my habit is to keep talking in circles till I get to a point when I'm this when I'm in this much pain so please forgive me as I'm super circular um but uh that was a big fight with my doctors and I was like do we brace do we wheelchair or do I just try to keep pushing through the dislocations because yeah. if I'm in the wheelchair or bracing I'm not using my muscles which I'm sure you heard <laughs> Yeah, and that then was my biggest fear. Yeah, and then there's was the- what, but once you're in the chair, it's just so easy to stay in the chair, and especially because the chair is safe, and you know you're not going to have these dis- bigger dislocations in the chair. So I have it- managed to, by the way. 
Uh, I'm sure. Um, the thought process is you won't. Yeah, and it's, um, we can prove them wrong. I, <laughs> give me a challenge. Um, yeah, challenge accepted. Um, and it's such, like, even within my own self, it's such a fight all the time of, do I use the chair? Um, or do I try to push? Or am I going to end up making myself worse? And each day, that's a different answer. It's such yeah, every a weird time. thing. Like there's every no progress. I go to the gym. It's a different answer of do I push myself to go to the gym or do I stay home and just kind of let my body heal? But how much do you actually heal? Um, you know, I mean, all I can say, and please, everyone, do not sue us. We are not doctors. We are not specialists. We're just talking about what works for us. So really talk to your doctor or physical therapist about this first. But the thing that I've done, because I, I refuse to not remain physically active in some way, even at my worst, is that I have the exercise bands and I have a set oh, of ridiculously light weights. And if you're Perfect. stuck in bed, right. you can like keep those right by your bedside. And uh, Pilates, if you go back to his original stuff that he developed after the war when he was stuck in bed, you can do a ton of Pilates in bed <laughs> that you can yeah. do like little things like you well, would just. And people laugh at me, but back in the day, remember Richard Simmons had the sweating of the oldies? <gasps> How do you he forget that? Had stuff that you were, that you, were uh, that you could do if you were extremely overweight and stuck in bed. And he had some great things of just getting your body used to movement and teaching your brain how your body's supposed to move and how your body's safe to move while you're in bed. That is so cool. I'm getting some serious static on your side. Oh, it's it's my roommate's getting some ice for her coat. For ah, hello, roommate. <laughs> and I fully approve the coffee. <laughs> that is awesome. No worries. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't going to be permanent. Um, so for... It sounds like you and I have a lot in common in that, like, you probably were experiencing dislocations through your childhood and your teen years, and you weren't diagnosed till later. Is that right? That's the guess. Um, I My mom's a nurse. My mom was an ER nurse at the time, and our thing was always, she. it, it was one of those things where it's so easy when you see your mom working so hard with these really large emergencies that you're like... I, I remember one time when I was in drill team, I thought for sure my hip dislocated. And, of course, logic would say, no, it didn't. And it was so easy to just disregard everything and say, you know, there's no way that that could actually happen, that I continued doing that throughout the time, throughout out of how many years. And looking back, I'm like, there's, there's a lot of times that I'm willing to bet that that was actually a thing and I used to think that the pain and everything that was going on was just normal that this is what everybody was feeling and I was just a wuss oh and my god you just like, hit me oh in the solar plexus with that one <laughs> yes <laughs> I went between like is this what everyone else is feeling and they're just better at it than me or am I some sort of weird oh, alien like trying to explain the level of pain to my PE teachers and to my parents is like I want to just put your soul in my body for like 10 minutes and see if this is actually a real thing from someone else's perspective. Like, it's just so insane well, to think about it as a reality. Looking back, it's so easy to disregard a kid when they say, oh, I think I dislocated my hip, but it's okay. I popped it back in. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, you sound absolutely ridiculous and you sound like you're trying to get out of something. <laughs> and it's one of those things where how do you balance believing children and 
also balance with the, oh, I don't want to go to school today. Oh, it my is, God. <laughs> it, it's such a weird balance. And looking back, I don't blame anybody. But at the same time, I'm just so mad at myself for not being able to articulate it properly. You know, I've actually, because I raised, I've, I've, I've raised a teenager who is successfully now living his own life and I'm raising a, a, a <laughs> junior high. And um, I have to say my experiences as a kid and the not being believed and the like dismissal has very much pushed me to the other side of, I would rather they miss a day of school that they didn't have to than ever feel like I didn't believe their, yeah. I'm like, I always told them, I'm like, I'm not in your body. You're the one who has to live with the consequences of not going to school. And so I'm going to trust you to know the pros and cons. And I am here to support you. Like, and it might be like too much of a hippie liberal parent, which anyone who knows me, uh, how liberal and hippie of a parent do you think I am? Yes. Um, But I also always felt like my relationship with them was going to be more important in the long run. And if they know that I always believed them and I I trusted them to trust their bodies, I felt like that was safer for them because I never ended up trusting my own body. I never trusted that I knew best or that I knew when to go to the hospital. And that's almost killed me a few times. Yeah. And I think... I think for me, it was me more not trusting myself of knowing when to speak up and when to say something that, and it was a complete fear of going to the hospital or actually having it be thing. And now looking back, now that I know what it was, I wish I had spoken up and I wish I had said something because I'm pretty sure having a mom who was a nurse, she probably would have moved the world to help me out. And I just, I didn't know myself enough to really speak up. And even still to this day, there's times where I'm like, no, it's okay. I will, I'll, I'm going to go flip the tire when I know darn well that I need to just hang out and relax. And it's always testing your boundaries and always trying to figure out what you can do next. I mean, L.R. Stamos is kind of like, if you want to distill it down to philosophy, it's got to be like one of the most Buddhist disorders ever of you have to live in the moment <laughs> because what happened in the past and what will happen in the future have no relevance in the moment right yeah, now. That's clever. I always say like the best way to Buddhism is to get, or to have L.R. Stamos, not to get because you can't get it. I mean, we're a very exclusive club. Either you're born with it yeah. or you're not. <laughs> but, but it is like the biggest, quickest way to like Buddhism that ideal of the moment is all there is. Yeah. Well, you, you just, you never know um, what the future holds, especially when you're doing something like uh, heavy lifts and stuff. I never know if this, if this lift is going to be what's going to end my career. And you just have to kind of let the moment happen and enjoy it in the moment and deal with consequences later. <laughs> for a second because that's that's so real I mean that's so true you never know when you have this disorder like is this you know you like if you're going out somewhere like when I go out with my kids and like it was a good day like six months ago um (laughs) and we went down to Pescadero and that's where we love to like go look at the seals and you have to kind of like climb along rocks and it's like I'm doing this but I know at best I'm gonna be in bed for the next two weeks at worst I'm gonna dislocate an ankle while I'm down here and someone's going to have to carry me back up (laughs) but you just have to enjoy it because that's what you have right now yeah um not too well I guess it was quite a long ago last summer Uh, My boyfriend and I went hiking on this really beautiful hike near the house. And um, I remember telling him, oh, this is awesome. We're going to do this like every week. And we have not done it in like months. 
Um, and it's just one of those things where, you know what, we had a really good hike and we'll get back after that hike and we're going to do it again. It's just not right now. <laughs> and a quick moment for partners who get that, understand that and can just ride with it and like find the humor yeah. in it. Because that's a, I mean, like one of the biggest issues, at least for the people I know who have chronic illness is guilt, shame, and, um, regret. <laughs> I mean, like, and then when someone else yeah. is putting that on you as well, you have my utter respect and hugs. If that's you, I'm so incredibly fortunate and lucky that I don't have that right now. I did before in previous relationships. And that was just devastating to like have the doubt and the constant guilt. And so nice to like that. And I'm older. And so our idea of like a wild and crazy night is that we get to watch Deadpool <laughs> 2 in front of the fireplace and have a like, get take out Indian food. So that's our wild and crazy Saturday night now anyway. And I'm sure a lot of yeah. people in their 40s could probably maybe relate to such like wild and crazy evenings. So at least they don't have that. But for you, like, how is this process? Because you didn't have a diagnosis for so long. And how did that work out for you through college? And as you had quite an academic career. <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually ended up having to drop out of my PhD program and kind of put it on hold because I just, at the time, I was not able to balance life and I was constantly ill. And this was around the time where I had lots of bouts of diverticulitis and ended up having to have my colon taken out. Okay, see, and, I don't know uh, all the things you have right now. I was like, oh, she's this fellow zebra. And then you're like, PCOS and endometriosis. Are those also things too? They are. They are. Um, there's there's so many little comorbid disorders that come with EDS that it's just a slew of diagnoses that I've, it becomes very frustrating because once you start saying two or three, the doctor's eyes start glazing over <laughs> and they start really questioning what you're saying until you come with like your 10 binders full of diagnoses from different places. And how often do you get asked who diagnosed you? Oh, every, every time. Yeah. I find that so psychotic. I was lucky enough to go to a geneticist and I, even though. The uh, one in San Francisco? Uh, no, when I was, I lived in DC for a while. Oh, okay. Arlington. Yes. Got it. <laughs> and even though there's not a genetic, com well, there's a genetic component, but there's not a genetic test for type three. I, I tell everybody who I speak to go have the geneticist tell you that it's for sure. For one, you know, for sure it's not vascular or classic or anything else, but two saying, oh, I was diagnosed by a geneticist carries so much more clout than it does than just saying, oh, my primary care doctor diagnosed me. Oh, I had a rheumatologist. Uh -huh. The genetics diagnosed me just changes people's opinion and changes doctors' opinions so much quicker. And you just, you carry so much more weight that way. And it's, it's silly, but it's the reality that we have to operate within. It's the creepiest thing because I had never had anyone ask me that question before because I had multiple conditions as well. And I'd never been asked who diagnosed me before. And it was like this very snobbish moment of, well, if this person didn't okay. diagnose you, then we're just going to put suspected down. And I had to wait three years to see the geneticist in San Francisco. The waiting list was three years long. And the only reason it was only three years was someone canceled. And because I'm on disability, I don't have stuff 
during the day except other doctor's appointments. So I was able to take someone's appointment. So it was three years of everyone going, well, we think you have this, but until this one doctor gives you the write-off. Same thing with POTS. I had the, I, no one believed it until Dr. Friday at San Francisco Clinic said, oh, you have POTS. And then everyone's like, oh, she has POTS. It's like, great. The hilarious thing with the POTS is anytime that I'm in, like ad admitted to the hospital, they're always like, oh, you have, yeah, we think you have POTS. I was like, yeah, I know that's in my chart. And so they run me through the, the fake diagnoses of sit up, lay down, sit up, stand up while you're admitted to the hospital. I was like, this is ridiculous. And it just, it makes no sense to me. And it's every single time I admit, admit it, I get re-diagnosed. If I wanted to kneel, sit, stand, I'd go back to church. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, for anyone who does not have POTS, does not understand what POTS is, what we're talking about is that there is a, um, the diagnosis is 30 beats per minute difference between sitting and standing. For most of us, that goes much higher, a uh, much wider swing, and means you can pretty much either pass out, experience vertigo, throw up. Um, so when we're talking about this little, like, test, we're not talking about, like, oh, of course you can sit down and stand up and not, like, this is actually pretty traumatic if you're in the middle of an attack and you suddenly vomit on someone's shoes or you fall into their arms, like... Victorian swoon style is not nearly as hot or romantic as anyone thinks it is. I mean, I've done it many times. Not cute. Very rarely does Mr. Darcy show up to catch me. So it's uh, it's just we're not talking about something very light here. No. And it, it, I try to explain to the doctors, you know, I, I now wear a Samsung watch everywhere I go. And yes. I keep the heart rate monitor so that I know when I can stand up. And so going through that test every single time you're admitted to the hospital is absolutely ridiculous, especially because they decide to go ahead and also test your blood pressure too. So that's like another, it's, it's an extra pain that you don't really need to go through. No, and they also can like end up freaking out to a high level and start different um, things for you that are way over reactions because they're not used to what your blood pressure usually is or what your heart, like my blood pressure can go down to like 40 over 70 and it's not that weird for me. And they'll be like, you're in yeah. shock. Oh my God, let's get adrenaline in you. I'm like, no, let's go be dead. <laughs> like, you just have to like always re-educate like ER staff so that because they're not used to these chronic conditions so that you don't get killed or hurt or like when they want to relocate you in an ER and they're like, oh, we're just going to yank that back. And you're like, no, 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 <laughs> no, this is how we relocate it. I just need help. Like we're going to use the, the facial technique of relaxing the muscle and then we're going to guide it, not rip it back. They'll, um, they'll hold off on pain medication because your blood pressure, your heart rate too low. And I was like, no, that's where my blood pressure and heart rate normally is. Mm -hmm. We we're okay. We're, I'm not dying. This is just normal. Yeah, the, I'm not dying. I feel like I just need to put on a t-shirt whenever I go to the ER. These are my stats, like, on my shirt. But you're yeah. right, like, that's the one, like, spoony thing that you can always tell with us with POTS is we always, like, down at our wrists before we stand. Like, that's, like, the one yeah. telltale of a POTS patient is, do I get to stand? No, I'm not, not standing yet. Let's just sit back and enjoy no. for a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I sat up too fast. We, we need to take an extra minute. Yeah, my husband or my daughter usually comes rushing to my side before I stand. They're like, so, do you need to lean? <laughs> yeah, I've noticed actually hilariously with workouts, um, I often max out my heart rate anytime I'm doing anything. And it's so frustrating because you never really know if you push too hard because it's not, it's not a real indicator of how hard you push. It's just the fact that you're standing and doing anything. <laughs> One of the like, most 
humbling things about this disorder for me because I was an athlete. I was a ballerina. I was in martial arts. I was a weightlift. I loved weightlifting more than any of the rest. Like yeah. that was my, that was my jam. That's where I felt powerful. And then to get this sick where I, I couldn't even do my job anymore and to be in bed so good much of the time is that I've lowered the bar significantly to what I think is exercise. Like I realize now that I'm not going to be able to sweat it out at a 90 minute spin class anymore. That's just not going to happen. I won't be able to, for me personally, I'm not able to lift heavy weights at all. So when I went back to the gym to try, you were the one who inspired me. I did try. I went back to the gym and I was like, I will try 20 pounds, not my 80 pounds that when I left the gym, that's what I was doing. I'm going to try 20, but I still this whole thing just came out when I was doing a row and I was like, so I'll be leaving the gym now. Thank you for letting me try <laughs> going home now permanently. Yeah. Um, but I do other things now when I'm at home, I have like the little, the bands, which are only one or two pounds. So to go from like, I lift hundreds of pounds to now I'm like, I lift three pounds <laughs> and I'm, tr I see, yeah. try to see that as not a failure. I try to see that as this is me maintaining as much as I'm capable of maintaining right now. So it's just really a changing your definition of success over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> see any any day that I can do anything as a win. Right. I mean, there are some days where I have to sit home and even just going out to the couch to me is a win. Oh my gosh. Uh, no matter what I'm doing, as long as I'm doing something, as long as I'm just waking up and turning the TV on in bed is can some days be the win for the day. And it's it's really going back to what we were talking about. It's all about living in the day in the moment. Because what your win for yesterday might not be your win for today. So that that's probably the truest thing you said. Uh, nothing I've said a million true things so far, but that one, I like yesterday. That just hit me so hard because um, yesterday was so bad. I was like, hospital or physical therapy? Hospital or physical therapy? And like, I had to remind myself that that day was a wash. It was just going to be that I was gathering inspiration by watching Netflix and looking at Pinterest and curling in a ball and taking my oxy, and that I was okay with that. I had to take that much earlier than I usually take it, and. But I was gathering information. That's, that was my, my re reference for I'm going to watch Netflix all day <laughs> long. All of Sabrina Teenage Witch. All of it. Poor Kiros. I was like, tech, he had already watched it. And so I was like texting going, do I hate this or love this, Kiros? I'm really not sure yet. Help me out. Do I keep watching? <laughs> But it, you're right. You just have to keep changing the like success point over and over and over again. Okay, I want to get to yeah. endometriosis because I don't have that. And every time someone describes it to me, my jaw just kind of hits the floor and I get this whole empathy for everyone who hears my condition and gets that jaw drop look of like, no, you don't have to live with that, right? That's not a thing. You're joking. <laughs> um, because every time I hear what endometriosis is, my jaw drops and I want to hug every person who has endometriosis because I'm like, that is a nightmare that horror movies wish they could come up with. <laughs> and it kind of is. And it was... It was one of those things that I, I know some people will probably get annoyed at me for this, but oh, I, people get annoyed at me all the time. That I kind of ignored. I it's one of those things where you're like, well, it's there's not much I can do about it. It's just gonna, it is what it is. So let's move on to the diagnoses that really bother me. Like in comparison to everything else, it was one of those that since, since you knew what it was, since I, I think I got my first period around sixteen. I knew what it was. I knew that our fa it ran in the family. So it was kind of one of those things that you just grow up accepting and grow up with, oh, you're just going to 
it's just bad period pains. That's all it is. And you just kind of lie to yourself and be like, you know, it's whatever. It's no big deal. Even though it's just, it's, it's like one thing on top of another, on top of another. And it's just like, it's one of those things where it's, you can't get away from it. But at the same time, you just kind of have to accept it and move on from there. It's amazing what, what we end up prioritizing with chronic illness yeah. where it's like, um, as I talked to Desiree, who um, she, uh, oh gosh, if I messed up your name, Desiree, it's not that I don't love and adore you. It's that I have no brain cells. Um, but uh, she has CRPS, which I had years ago. And she has Ehlers-Danlos. And she's like, I'm sorry to say this. I know how much Ehlers-Danlos hurts you right now, but that's not my problem. My problem is the CRPS. And it's like, what what keeps someone in a wheelchair from living their life might be your uh, that's not something we're hanging with right now. <laughs> we need yeah. to focus over here with this. That's way bigger. It's like the dislocations. Like the doctors will ask how, what's dislocated right now. I'm like, well, how do I just tell you it's the one that's the worst? And yeah, it's exactly. like, yeah, I, it's funny. Cause it's like anyone else who gets dislocations is like, Oh my God, my leg is dislocated. This will be six months of repair. And I'm like, okay, leg dislocated, but the rib is the one that's killing me right now. <laughs> like It's just these things that you prioritize. So for you, this is the endometriosis is not the be all end all. It's just something that you've you're managing below the rest of the screaming fire engine of. <laughs> for the most part, it actually um, I ended up getting a Mirena IUD, so it's got that uh, the hormones kind of constantly coming out, and that's helped immensely. And it's one of those things that I just kind of am able to move on with. Like it, it's. Maybe I just have a very minor case, or maybe it's just something that I've kind of learned to work around. I, it's just funny, like, how much <laughs> we learn how to work around when it's our bodies and we don't get to escape them? Like, you learn all sorts of, like, weird hacks that you're like, okay, this is how we we do this. And, like, it's so funny when you say, like, the period pain, you're like, this is hurting, and everyone's like, well, it's just a bad period, and it's like, okay, yeah. I, I hear you, because, like, I don't have that, but I get the worst cramps. Like I got them so bad when I was a teenager, they had to hospitalize and they're like, well, it shows that you're in stage one labor with the level of cramps you're having. I'm like, like, well, this isn't uh, that abnormal of a period for me. So you're just telling me I'm basically like my body's going stage one labor every month. And that's just something I'm supposed to hang with. There's got to be better options. I want way more research into like how to handle periods and and cramps and everything. Like it just needs to be so much more funding. There needs to be so much more research done in so many things that that we just go through and kind of just brush off because because we have to. Right? Or what's the option? I mean, it's uh, it's always the weird thing where people are like, shouldn't you be in bed? I'm like, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> kind of like to be alive but there, too. I don't want to be in bed so <laughs> I'm not going to be in bed <laughs> I mean it's like this this podcast takes a ton out of me that's a lot of work and so I've gotten a few more people to help out with them being co-hosts but I shouldn't be doing this there's no way <laughs> but I am bored and I can only like stay isolated so long <laughs> you know I mean it's it's one of those things where you kind of look at it and go you know the benefits outweigh the risks that oh. what, what am I going to do there's got to be something I can do to help other people out. And if, it, if I can, I don't have to leave my house to do it. That sounds amazing to me. <laughs> I would really love to leave my house, but I hear you. <laughs> I was gone. 
well, like, hilariously, you- in order to afford my competitions, uh, my boyfriend now drives for um, DoorDash. And so a lot of times I'll go with him because some days that'll be the only thing I get to do during the like at all. And I'm like, oh, I will deliver all the food. You just drive because it's going to be the only exercise or the only human contact I get to do all day long. And so it's something I can look forward to. And hey, we might get a little money out of it, too. So that's really nice. I am digging how you guys have decided to fund your competitions. That is awesome. (laughs) And by the way, you are my only human contact aside from my daughter, my mom and my husband that I will have for like the next two or three days. I'm I'm lucky enough to have uh, I live with actually pretty much one of my best friends and her husband. That helps a lot. Like just having somebody who on days where I have a bad day, she comes in the room and says, "Okay, what do you need? And if she has just the bad day, I can ask her, "Okay, what do you need? And just having somebody, even if it's like just the best friend who lives down the street, like that just changes everything. It's like I my son calls me terminally optimistic, um, but I really am because I believe in like the kindness of people. Like I just have always had the best luck with. Well, not always, but um, there's just been amazing humans that I've met in my life. When I was healthy enough to go to the dog park, I met some really amazing people who are still my people and will still occasionally when they see on Facebook that I'm going, I still have not left my bed, will text me and go, so you probably need to eat. I will be by with soup for you. Just leave door unlocked. It makes the world, like, I remember that I, so I lived in Alaska for my undergrad and I had a, just a, one of those colds that just before diagnosis. Oh, wait a minute. What did you study in Alaska? That is. That oh, is I, I went there. I went to University of Alaska Anchorage for my undergrad degree in psychology and justice. But it was oh just God. one of those things of when else are you going to get to live in Alaska? Like, let, let's go do the degree in Alaska because that sounds like fun. I'm going to put you in touch um, with my son because that's his dream is to like go up to Alaska and like live there or Norway. Those are like his two like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I miss it all the time. Okay, like, but psychology and social justice, you are like screaming my language right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, they actually, their, their psychology degree that I got up there is probably the best degree that I've ever had. Uh, it prepared me for my master's and PhD more than my master's and PhD. Like I walked into the programs already steps ahead of the uh, the people who went to different places. Like the the foundation in research and statistics really set me up so well, and I was. It was really cool. Has that helped you like research your own disorders? Like, I feel like people who know how to research are so much farther ahead than I am at like looking through really dry articles. It it causes so many problems. Like, it. I have this weird injury. um, We're guessing from the lifting of I have just this little nodule in my butt on my like gluteus maximus. Can you just call it a tail? In there. And so, of course, my first thing is, oh, let's look at the articles. And, of course, the only thing that I read in articles are, hey, it's probably cancer. And I was like, I know it's not cancer because it hasn't grown. But all the articles are like these worst case scenarios. And I was like, I wish I hadn't reached that level of reading articles. Like, if I just Googled it, it'd be like, oh, that's completely normal. No, no, you Google it. It's always cancer. It's WebMD. It's like you can type in anything. I have a hangnail. It's cancer. Like... (laughs) And it's just, it's, it's, 
it's one of those things that just it'll take you your it'll take your brain forever to get past because anytime you want to look up something you're like immediately you end up with the medical research journals and you end up with the worst case scenarios that you could ever think of and it's always cancer WebMD does need to like change their website from WebMD to it's just cancer. Get over it. <laughs> like, You're already dead. You might be dead. Yeah, I've learned not to, um, to Google strange symptoms. I do go like, that's one of the really like big things about having a diagnosis is that you then have social network support group and like the Ehlers-Danlos support group for Bay area is awesome. And I can go on there all the time. And I'm like, so my dying or is it Eller Stainless? And my dying or is it POTS? Like, it's my go-to yeah. before I go to the hospital. Pretty much. And and it's one of those things where, um, like, I, I help admin the, the large Facebook EDS group. And I, I see a lot of the members get very frustrated of people always asking, well, is this EDS? Is, is, this, is this something or do I need to worry about it? And it... it I understood where they were coming from until you start thinking about how many people have this this fear every single day of okay is this just EDS or is it is it something else I need to worry is it something bigger and looking back I I had that worry of it was so easy to brush off everything as just EDS or just something I mean I almost had my colon rupture from diverticulitis because I was like, oh, it's just something else. And have a soundboard to be like, okay, do I really need to worry about this? Or should I just brush it off? It's really important because a lot of times it's so easy for us to brush things off. Yes. And Ehlers-Danlos is one of those disorders that will affect every ounce of your body because our bodies are held together by connective tissue. So from our brains to our eyeballs, to our teeth, to our lungs, heart, internal organs, all of this is affected. So it's really easy to brush stuff off. And we also, um, you and I both live in, in the, um, the United States and we all have very different insurance or lack mm. of insurance. So the ability to just like, I know a lot of people are like, well, why don't you just go to an emergency room? Why don't you just go to an, an urgent care center? It's like, we don't have the NHIS. We can't just go into an emergency room and not, we, we never know in the United States when we go to an emergency room, how much that bill is going to be. It can be between a thousand dollars. I used to have really better insurance where it would never be more than five hundred, but now it's never less than a thousand, and we have to pay twenty percent of the full bill, which can be up to a hundred thousand dollars. So it's not easy for us to just go, okay, we're going to go to urgent care or hospital and see if we're dying. We actually do go onto Facebook groups so that they can go, okay, this probably just pots, but this is if you is okay. By the way, everyone who doesn't have pots, it can feel like a heart attack, exactly like a heart attack. You can get oh, yeah. the chest pain that feels like an elephant's on you. Your left side can go numb. It's impossible to tell. My cardiologist was like, okay, so the deal is you will never know if it's a heart attack or it's pots. You will just have to go to the emergency room. So a lot of us just go on to there to see if we really need to put our financial jeopardy in risk like that. That is, and if you are in a red state and you are disagreeing with me on like the ACA and all that, you cannot disagree with me that you do not know what your hospital bill is going to be. And that there are a lot of people who will choose between financial stability and going to the emergency room, no matter what your political affiliation is. I'm not saying anything that should not be bipartisan right now. <laughs> like yeah. this is a scary thing. And we are going on Facebook to find out if we should go. <laughs> like, yeah. Weird and, and, American and realities. People say I'm, I'm not a doctor, but here, here's, here's uh -huh. your diagnosis basically. And there's one and person whose husband is people. one. <laughs> so 
someone on there's husband is one and he's like actually gotten on and like message me and gone get your tail to a doctor now woman (laughs) yeah or there's there's times where um i will be at the doctor's office and they'll be checking my heart rate and they'll be like okay well you need to go to the er because this isn't normal and i'm like no i'm not going to go to the er because this is pretty much normal we're good enough yeah close enough It is that close enough thing that a lot of us have, like, I mean, like, we just, if if we could go with, like, knowing exactly what we'd be paying, I'd be at the hospital a lot more often, and my husband would feel a lot less anxiety, like, the waiting it out to see if heart attack We also never know how we're going to get treated at the hospital, so a lot of times I just don't go because I don't want to deal with people, and I don't want to deal with the idea of the possibility of getting labeled, the possibility of the financial part, the possibility of getting treated poorly. Like, it's just, I'd rather just die at home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, yes. I've actually said that to my husband. I would actually rather just die at home than deal. Um, Yep. Like, I have horrible anxiety um, about losing control in a hospital situation. And once you're admitted, you've lost all control. You can't just get up and leave. Um, Not if you're being treated abusively or rudely or cruelly. You can't just get up and leave. Um, they, they will decide on your treatment options without actually really discussing or even knowing your disorder. Um, oh, definitely. there's, oh, I should not have done that. Um, go ahead and watch this video and watch your host dislocate. It's fun. <laughs> I will deal with that shoulder later. Um, but that's a horrible anxiety. I, I actually go into like anxiety when I go into a hospital it has nothing to do with my pain level like I yeah. cannot I have panic attacks in hospitals just looking at that white coat and dealing with interns who are like so you dislocate you think you dislocate is a lot of the times what I hear first so I oh, yeah. keep do you think this is this uh-huh. <laughs> so I keep a um, thing on my phone in my uh, photos that I keep all my dislocations I photograph all my dislocations and I photograph all of my rashes from my mouth cell and I photograph my watch on what it says my heart rate is so that when there's they start in with the oh you think and like let me show you <laughs> and it's yeah. amazing how seriously I can get taken right then and there when they see when they can actually look at the photos and see that it's an actual thing that happens all the time. But the list you mentioned is my terror in life because with the opioid ep- no not epidemic the opioid freakout that is going on right now yeah. means that if I go to a hospital and I have to tell them what I'm on. So they don't kill me by giving me too much of anything. I can end up on a list if I'm not nice, polite, sweet, and vomiting sunshine for everyone who walks through the door, no matter how they're acting or treating me, because they can say I'm a drug seeker. Even if I refuse all drugs, even if I say I don't want the drugs, I can still get put on a list. Well, and since moving here, I I don't have a doctor yet. And I don't have a primary care doctor or any of that yet. And... So I'm on absolutely no medication. And they're like, well, then I guess it's not that bad. And I was like, well, <laughs> no, it is. But I do not have a doctor to to give me medication. So I have to deal. There's nothing I can do about that. And then when you ask, you know, this pain is above and beyond what I'm, norm- what I'm used to, they look at you immediately. And it's just one of those greatest fears that are always in the back of my mind. And I've been told um, not too long ago, I slipped and fell at at a different gym. Um, And I was told, well, maybe you shouldn't be weightlifting. Maybe maybe that's your problem. And I was like, what 
what does that have to do with the fact that there was water on their bathroom floor? Like, how do those two go together? Because they don't. And if it was anybody else with any other disorder, they would not have said that. They would have said, oh, let me help you. But instead, because you have EDS, they're like, oh, well, maybe it's because of something else. I will um, add so something else in. If you don't want to talk about it, just tell me to shut up. But um, I've been, like, it's the weight thing. Like, if I go in and I'm like, I'm in pain, my kneecap is dislocating all the time. I'm like, maybe I should lose 20 pounds. That might help. Like, I think, no, 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 I have no connective tissue. (laughs) Let's focus on that. Well, hilariously, so this last hospital admission, um, they, uh, I was admitted for basically, they, they thought it might be C. diff. It could be a million things. It ended up just being a really bad flu. But the doctor came in and he ordered me a, um, a taking my blood sugar every couple of hours. And I was like, why? I've never been diabetic. I've never even been close to diabetic. And he ordered it and he wouldn't come off my chart. The, the nurses were like, I'm so sorry. My fingers were getting so bruised because you combine everything and you add in pinpricks on the end of your fingers, you can't help that. And then he also ordered me a CPAP machine. And I was like, why? I I don't have sleep apnea. I've never had sleep apnea. There's no reason. He's like, well, you look like somebody who might have sleep apnea. And I was like, excuse me? And what ended up happening was I ended up contacting the um, administration in the hospital and they made a quick fix to everything. And I had actually never contacted the hospital before. I never stood up for myself, never uh, talked to the patient advocacy or any of that. And it changed things night and day. Like he, I I don't know whatever happened to that doctor, but he was not allowed anywhere near me after that. And so now I tell people all the time contact somebody if you're getting treated poorly if you're getting denied something contact because this I was like do I need to make a thing out of this I don't need to make a thing out of this because this is absolutely I've never had that kind of treatment before I've had the the minor things of well if you lost weight you'd be better um maybe you should exercise I was like did we not have the conversation about what I do like did, did did we did I fall asleep and dream that conversation? Um, but yeah, it definitely it happens so much and it's so frustrating. I I was told once by a rheumatologist of all people that if I went vegan, I would cure EDS. It's okay, just just try a vegan diet. I was like, well, that's gonna fix my genes. Okay, well, I'll get right on that. that I should go a different doctor now fantastic lack of um, basic biology knowledge that's <laughs> impressive but like it's so shocking to hear that like I have never heard anything like that from a doctor but from well-meaning friends and family the if you prayed more thought happier warmer and fuzzier thoughts um didn't eat sugar didn't have wine caffeine sugar bread all the things that make my life worth living at the moment um, everything would be better oh, and yeah. fine it just feels like a way for them to pass off the responsibility for like actually it, it, it's somehow there. your fault is what it is is it somehow it's not what's be it's not your body it's just something something that you're doing wrong which I mean, in their defense, I understand that it would be amazing if I if I could just change my diet and things would be fine. I would change my diet in a heartbeat. 
And I understand and I, I, I see their optimism, but at the same time, it's more condescension than anything. Yeah, I like to think of it as more of a, um, a inability to sit there in a space with me of this is not going to change. And you have to be okay with feeling hopeless about that and them just not wanting to feel hopeless. So I, that's that's my better nature that speaks up every once in a while. And the snarky bitch still comes out a lot. But like I, <laughs> when I'm actually able to practice mindfulness and togetherness, I'm always like, you know what? They're just having a hard time with losing control over the situation and they just can't hold yeah. it and be here with me in that moment of helplessness. So meditation, keep working on it. <laughs> But they, I always take it as they're wanting to help and them trying to understand. And but then at the same time, I end up talking myself right out of it and being like, it's, they're just not listening. <laughs> Fair enough. In Forbes magazine, I just went on a rant on Twitter about this, but they just did their top health gadgets of 2019. And the man with the most punchable face I've seen that is not part of the GOP was like, there with his little selfie camera. And he had this um, product and I think it was called pain pods. And he was like, for any of you who have chronic illness people in your life moaning, get them this to shut them up. And that is quotations to get them to shut up. And I went on a... Is it duct tape for our mouth? Have it for his. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my husband was looking at me going, what happened today in the news? I'm like, oddly, that's not what I'm mad about right now. <laughs> He's like, all right, go. <laughs> I went on a rant and then I like went to my Twitter. I'm like, who's the most influential disabled person I can find right now? <laughs> I sent them over the articles. I'm like, you have more of a following than I do. Could you like... This is Forbes. This is not a random blogger. This is a national yeah. magazine that is saying these things about chronic. And he even made a snide joke about the opioid crisis. And I'm like, they you live do. in my they body for 10 do. minutes, dude. Like, <laughs> See if you survive multiple dislocations during the day and you don't groan and moan about it. <laughs> God. Oh, my gosh. I just looked. It's 53 minutes. I could like kidnap you all day. Um, do you have any um, any ways that people can help support you for your 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 strong woman stuff? Is there anything that we can do for you? Uh, right now, I have a fundraiser going on um, on GoFundMe and on my Facebook, mainly because getting to the uh, uh, America's Strongest Disabled Person um, competition is all the way in Ohio. So getting there is is very tough. <laughs> uh, basically, everything that I've collected so far has paid to get me to this first competition, and that competition is just in Santa Clara. So wow. the cost of just doing, I actually got in an argument not too long ago with somebody of, they said, you know, if you can't afford $20 wrist wraps, then you probably shouldn't be doing this sport. And I don't think that's fair. And I don't think that we should be leaving people out of sports because of their financial well-being. Um, I think that's just absolutely elitist. Preach um, it. <laughs> yes. I, 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 my jaw was on the floor and then, then he had somebody else supporting his, what he said. He's like, yeah, this is an expensive sport. Yes, it is. But that doesn't mean that that should bar you from competing. Um, uh, yes. But it, it is a very expensive sport. But at the same time, I know I'm not going to win a lot and I know I'm not going to like this, this next competition is an able body competition. And I already know there there's one, one specific exercise that I'm going to zero out on. There's no way I'm going to be able to do. Um, but 
it's not about winning for me. It's about showing that we can at least try. I was was just going to say, don't you dare discount what you're doing and the visibility that you are showing and the inspiration you're giving to everyone because winning is not what I find inspiring about you. I I don't care how often you win. I care so much like seeing your posts and like seeing you working out and trying and doing the best you can in that day. And that just makes me feel like so good. If like the best thing I can do is get on my pedals and like road my legs back and forth, like a zero thing. I'm like, I'm doing it too. (laughs) Like You do so much. It's one of those things that just being able to do it makes me feel so lucky. Like there's, there's days where there's no way I can do anything, but at the same time, I know that tomorrow I might be able to do something. And that to me is a blessing because I know that there, I have a lot of friends who can't do anything who would not be able to even get anywhere close to what I'm doing. And I think it's just, it's, it's important that I get out there and do what I can for the people who can't right now. On that amazing note, I cannot (laughs) thank you enough for taking time this morning. And um, please, everyone, go over to show notes. And at the very top, you're going to see Crescendo's um, links to sign up for her Facebook because I'll, uh, or not Facebook, um, Instagram. Your Instagram account is awesome. So I'll have links to that (laughs) so that everyone can start following you. I will have links to your GoFundMe page at the top. So if you go to invisiblebroken.com, dot com and you look up for this um this episode you'll be able to go right to the top and hit those links and um also i think if you go to any of the show notes i'll have those at the very top so please go ahead over there thank you everyone so much for tuning in this week um by the way africa thank you for showing up oh my gosh you guys are becoming one of our quickest growing audiences I am so jealous. My voice is more traveled than my body. I would love to be over there with all of you. Africa is like on my bucket list of places. There are so many countries in Africa I want to go to. And I'm so glad you guys are listening. Thank you. Um, Be kind. Be gentle. Be a badass this week. Um, If you still want to do anything nice for the podcast, best thing you can do is look over to Apple Podcast and give us stars, say nice things, or say constructive things in kind ways. I have two feelings. Please don't step on them. And uh, I think that's it, everyone. Have a great week. Share us. Share this episode with other people you think this would be inspiring to. Share this to your social media group. Share this to family and friends. Thanks, everyone. Tune in next week. You are awesome at that.